I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting from the Texas Advanced Computing Center. The SC15 Supercomputing Conference takes place in Austin this November. SC15 showcases the latest in high-performance computing, networking, storage, and analysis to advance scientific discovery, research, education, and commerce. Featured on the podcast is Manuela Campanelli, a professor at the Rochester Institute of Technology and the director of the Center for Computational Relativity and Gravitation. Dr. Campanelli was invited to give a presentation at SE15 titled, Revealing the Hidden Universe with Supercomputer Simulations of Black Hole Mergers. Dr. Campanelli uses the computational resources of EXCEED, the Extreme Science and Engineering Discovery Environment, to probe the mysteries of black holes. She spoke by Skype to talk about that and about the 100th anniversary of Einstein's field equations describing space-time and black holes. Dr. Campanelli, thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me with you. Now, November 2015 this year marks 100 years since Albert Einstein published his famous field equations of general relativity, which, in a nutshell, describe how matter bends the interwoven fabric of space and time. What would you say is the biggest way that this idea continues to influence us today? Well, as you just said, the general activity is celebrating this year. It's 100 years, it's first 100 years since its first publication in 1915. Einstein introduced his theory of general activity, which has revolutionized really in many ways how the way we view our universe. For instance, the idea of a static Euclidean space, um, which had been assumed for centuries, and the concept that gravity was viewed as as a force, changed, and they were replaced with a very dynamical concept of now having a curved space-time in which both space and time are related together in a very intertwined way, which is described by these very complex equations, but still very beautiful equations. They are very elegant, but it's very sophisticated mathematics, which connect the concept of space and time as intertwined together to the real matter and energy of the universe. If you want to put this simply, it's as you say, matter tells space how to curve, and the space tells matter how to move. So general activity has been very successful. It has passed more than 100 years of past. Uh, the first tests that were done like soon after Einstein published his paper in 1915, the bending of light, for example, by the sun or other astrophysical objects like the sun. You can see that light really follow curved paths around the sun and around stars. The stretching of time also due to the presence of a gravitational field, which is used nowadays in, for example, um, even in your cell phone, you have a GPS system. It has to take into account that time is running differently in orbit where the GPS satellites are placed versus the time here on Earth, because the gravitational field varies depending on the altitude. So this is the so-called stretching of time by the gravitational field, also known as a uh, gravitational redshift. So this is one of the most important predictions of general activity that we've been using, and we use every day in our uh, GPS system. Other tests were done, like the orbital decay, for example, binary neutron stars, um, due to the loss of gravitational waves, which is another amazing prediction of general activity. 
they have totally revolutionized the field of physics and astronomy. The orbital decay of a binary neutron star led to a Nobel Prize, um, as you know, in 1993. And now we, that we are 100 years exactly this month, and we're celebrating this important birthday, and we're just starting to work, you know, to test gravity in its strongest field regime, which is the regime that um, happens close to um, very compact objects, for example, like black holes or neutron stars or at the core of exploding stars, supernovas. The scientific community is very excited because now, um, just a few weeks ago, the advanced LIGO detector started to take its first scientific data, which may give us the first direct detections of these gravitational waves coming from the collisions of binary black holes. Yeah, that's amazing. That would have made Einstein happy to know this. <laughs> Absolutely. Dr. Campanelli, would you talk a little bit about your research? I think what you do is incredible. I mean, um, not only are you studying, do you study black holes, which are fascinating in themselves, but from what I gather, you study how they collide into each other. Um, tell us more about this. How do you do this? What are some of the things that you found? Okay, so as you say, um, my own research revolves around binary black holes and how these black holes collide among themselves. Now, you're saying, well, how this could happen in the universe? What if you think that, um, for example, in the case of our own galaxy, we know that there is a very, super, a very massive black hole, which is four million times more massive than our sun, uh, residing at its center. And what we see from astronomical observation is also that galaxies collided uh, along the history of the evolution of the universe multiple times. And when they do collide, their central black holes is expected also to collide. So these black hole collisions are expected to be relatively common in the universe because galaxies do collide. What we cannot see is really the black holes colliding themselves per se because, first of all, because black holes are black, they do not emit light themselves. But when they do collide, they do emit powerful um, gravitational waves, which are only observable through particular detectors, gravitational wave detectors. What we can also see when black hole collides is we can look at the light emitted um, the light that is close to a black hole, because when these collisions are so violent, they shock the gas, the relativistic gas around them, producing therefore also uh, very powerful electromagnetic signals. So we can also work in trying to model these phenomena in supercomputers. And that's what I do. I do put this pair of black holes in described in a mathematical way, as the Einstein's theory of general relativity do, so because they are solutions of the Einstein um, field theory. And so I solved the equation of general relativity coupled with mother fields and as well as electromagnetic fields, if you want to describe, for example, the gas that surrounds the system. And then you develop sophisticated techniques to basically integrate these equations numerically. And because these equations are very complex and they're nonlinear, there are tens of these equations all coupled together, you cannot do it in pencil and paper. You have to use very advanced supercomputers. 
And that is why we need the supercomputers at TAC and other supercomputer centers to model and see what happens when black holes collide. We need to solve these problems in large supercomputers. In your view, how have supercomputers transformed scientists' understanding of black holes? Oh, let me simply put, we could not solve this problem without supercomputers. To understand what happens close to emerging black hole, we have to solve these equations, these complex equations of general relativity, which are nonlinear, coupled together. It's a very complex mathematical system, and if you couple to matter and electromagnetic fields, it's even more complex. We call this the equation of general relativistic magnetohydrodynamics together. We can only solve this numerically with the help of supercomputers. The field of astrophysics or physics that addressed this problem is called numerical activity. And this field has been around now for maybe around 50 years. And this problem of solving these equations together has been really a difficult problem, notoriously difficult problem. And for more than four decades, people were not able to actually solve this problem because of the complexity of the equations, but also because of the size, the computer challenge that that represented. We had to wait until 2005, and in 2005 there were um, a series of breakthrough papers, and I'm proud to be another of one of them. And these papers basically revolutionized the field. They transformed the field on American activity. And it, this was possible thanks to a very interesting combination of advances in both the mathematical understanding of the general relativity fields equation, but also to the readiness of our supercomputing facilities that we're needed to be able to solve these complex systems of equations. So thanks to all this development now, the field has really had undergone a major transformation. Most of the groups worldwide now are able to do these calculations. And once you are able to do these calculations, uh, there's been a number of discoveries coming from this. So, uh, for example, one of the discovery that we did in my group was that when black holes collide toward the end, the gravitational radiation is so strong and merger that if the black holes have unequal masses or they are rotating in some part, they are fastly rotating and revolving around themselves, then they can lead to what is called a gravitational radiation kick. So, in other words, the final black hole can get ejected from the host uh, galaxy at a relatively high speed so that you can get ejected. That has really a, an important consequence for the evolution of galaxies and understanding how these black holes are, the history of these black holes are tied to galaxies, the history of galaxies, for example. Dr. Campanelli, would you speak to um, some of the resources that you use, um, some of the tools that you use to make these discoveries exceed the extreme science and engineering discovery environment? It supports a lot of these supercomputing resources for scientists. Would you speak to the exceed resources you've used in your research of black holes? Yes, we do use the exceed resources every single day. We cannot do our science without the exceed resources. So our simulations are run actually at TAC. 
for NCSA or other supercomputing centers. For example, the simulations of accreting binary black holes require processing several petabytes of information at once. So in that case, we really must use Axis resource. And uh, also when in the calculation of the gravitational radiation output from these mergers, we typically use, for example, supercomputer like Stampede or Comet, Gordon, San Diego. And another one is the NCSA Blue Water System. Each of these simulations requires many thousands of cores. Exceed provides about tens of millions of SUs to us each year, and these resources are incredibly precious because, as I said, we cannot do our science without these computer resources. The mathematics involved in modeling these events is extremely sophisticated, so one has to solve these equations in large supercomputers. What's the most important thing you want people today to know about using supercomputers to study black holes? So the mathematics involved in these events is extremely sophisticated because one to solve uh, the equation of general activity and magnetodynamic altogether. The problem requires really advanced supercomputers running on tens of thousands of CPUs simultaneously, and the use of sophisticated techniques for data extraction and visualization, petascale and exascale numerical simulation is therefore the only available to accurately model the systems. Um, as for example, a typical run of two similar mass black holes in a binary use up to tens of terabytes of online drums and tens of millions of individual time steps. Our simulations, for example, to model the mergers in the last uh, final moments do require these resources. And then if you think about changing the parameters of the physical system, then you can just multiply this by another factor of tens and hundred. You can see that quickly we get up to very large computer resources needed to solve this problem. And in order for the gravitational wave detectors or the astronomical observatories to look for binary black holes in the universe, they do need these accurate models that we produce in these supercomputer simulations. And this is a very good time for this because, as I said, many of these astronomical observations and gravitational wave observations are just happening right now. So our knowledge of the dynamics of black holes and their environment is really timely. And so we need to produce this simulation in a very short time scales as well. You've been listening to Manuela Campanelli of the Rochester Institute of Technology. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.